Hello, my friends, and welcome to episode number five of the Polymath Way. It's January 2nd, 2019. Welcome to a brand new year. I'm JT, your host, and this is a business skills development podcast for people who want to learn the art of problem solving. Uh, if you have been listening so far, we really appreciate you signing up. Uh, if you haven't subscribed yet, please subscribe to our podcast. We have a, a lot of great content planned for 2019, and we, we feel you're going to enjoy all of it. Today's topic, the shortcuts will make you look like a hero today. Down the line, you will pay dearly for your lack of vision. So let's talk about you know the society we live in, which is a society of the, the here and now. We want immediate reward for very little effort, right? So that may be fine if you're buying a cup of coffee at your local Starbucks, but it's not going to help you when you're trying to fix a problem within your organization. Um, too many times I've been in organizations where I'm asked to fix a problem that was created years back by a decision to implement a shortcut or a workaround to a problem instead of dealing with the root cause. So this behavior of applying uh, what I call the proverbial band-aid, uh, some people like the, the bubble gum and duct tape analogy better, that may work for you, uh, approach to solving problems and not going back to addressing the root cause of the problem creates an, an actual pattern that's pretty uh, disruptive to the organization. You're probably asking why. Because these things, these bad fixes, um, begin to accumulate over time. And before you know it, you have a whole saloon of all the shortcuts and workaround that in the future when you're trying to fix something, it will make it that much more costly and difficult to deal with. Um, because all these things have now become intertwined into the processes and now you have people manually pushing buttons to get things done that should have been automated in the first place. So there's a lot of companies, usually you know, startup companies, um, when, when they first you know, be, began their operations, they were building their own systems and they're especially susceptible um, to this as most of those systems will build to a specific purpose versus a strategic purpose. So at some time in the, in the future, you, you might have built a, uh, say, a system to calculate commissions, or you uh, are offering dividends um, to your customers if they uh, exhibit certain behavior. So your executive team may show up one day and think that, oh, we have that system that provides uh, the dividends. Uh, we can go ahead and offer a new type of dividend and think that that was going to be the, just a simple variation of the current use. Um, unfortunately, that's not going to be the situation and it's going to be a big deal. So you find yourself later explaining to your executive team um, that, you know, that solution that you built was specifically for a purpose. And what they're asking for is going to involve building a whole new system uh, in order to deliver on the promises that they've been making to the marketplace, thinking that the old system will be able to handle that. So the fallout of this situation is that um, as a technology or operations professional, you have to explain to the executive leadership team why things are complicated and why things cost um, much more to do um, and will take more time to do. It's not as simple as they thought it was going to be. So when you get into this situation or more likely step into this situation, um, the reason I say that is because a lot of times you're, you're coming into an organization that's been operating for many years. So 
a lot of these decisions are in the past, and you're living now with the results of those decisions. Um, you're not only dealing with the situation, but you're also dealing with the stories that have been fed to your executive team over the years about how wonderful things are and how the old team was able to keep things running when things were very simple and you only were doing one thing. The only issue with that is that it's all a story. Um, the technology and process are locked down and cannot be modified. You cannot scale, you cannot change. Your systems and processes cost millions of dollars to maintain because everything is manual. So even though people will say, oh, we have a system for that, they, they don't talk about the other 15 people that have to do something for that system to work the way it does today. So how do you deal with this? Um, first, you know, when you walk into those situations, you first have to deal with the who and then the how. So you probably wonder, what, what do I mean by that? What I mean is that you need to get the right team in place. You have to assess your current team. Um, they need to be willing to change and grow and become more than what they are today. And the reason I say that is, you know, Albert Einstein used to say that the amount of energy uh, and our consciousness that it took you to get into the situation you're in is not going to be enough to get you out of that situation. You're going to have to become more in order to be able to solve the problem that you're in today or the situation that you're in today. So if your team is not willing or able to grow and change, my advice to you is replace them and replace them early. Uh, this is not going to be an easy task. And the last thing you need is having to deal with people issues at the same time you're trying to deal with technology issues. So deal with the people first, get your house in order, get the right team that's willing to grow, that's willing to transform, that's willing to become more than what they are today so they can become part of the solution development process uh, and they have an open mind in order to do that. The, the other item you're gonna to have to address is education. You need to educate your executive team on the current state of your technology or process. Now, you have to be careful when you do this because you don't wanna come across as being critical of the past. You know, remember everything or everybody that's been here up to this point or the company up to that point uh, were considered heroes because they implemented some workaround that got the company through a hotspot at some point in the past, the only thing is they, they didn't look about what was going to happen three, four, five years down the line. And with today's technology, it's more like one or two years down the line when you have to do more with that same, same issue. So nobody thinks about the future when experiencing pain in the present. And your job is to make sure that they think beyond the current pain and they address the future pain in the same process. So when dealing with education, my advice to you is to approach it from the standpoint of where are we today? It doesn't matter how we got here. It's not relevant. Can't change it anyway. So why bother with it? So if you focus on where are we today, um, and that's the perspective you use in your communication, in your actions, it's all about where are we today? Because what you're trying to fix is what's happening today, not the decision that was made 20 years ago. Um, you're going to have a much better result and the team will be more, they're going to be more susceptible or more um, open to new ideas and new transformation. Uh, next, you need to think about strategy. So what needs to change? What is the vision? Based on the business strategy, which is, you know, the, the path your business is, is heading down, down to what they want to have 5, 10, you know, 15 years from now, um, what do you need to do? 
to change your technology or technology investment to support that business? What kind of customer experience do you want to create? What operational efficiencies do you want to implement? On the point of efficiency, I want to take a, a moment and get off script here for a second and, and touch on one very specific point. It is not about headcount reduction, okay? You hear everybody trying to make a business case on headcount reduction. That's the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen, i ever heard. I've yet to see a company that actually pull through with the headcount reduction. It is really, the reality is that it's all about production capacity increase. You want to be able to do 2x or 3x the volume of transactions that you have today with the same number of people. If your company's looking at headcount reductions, that means they have no growth plans and they're heading into some kind of financial trouble. So if that's the case, you, you may have bigger problems at hand than just trying to fix a technology that you're dealing with. So always keep that in mind when you're looking at the vision for the future. It's all about productivity increase. Um, the plan for every company is to expand, is to grow, is to get bigger. Um, and that doesn't happen by having less people. It, have a, it happens by having people that can do more work with the technology that they have available to them. So once you have defined that vision, what is left to, to deal with is what's the gap? From where you are today to where you're heading tomorrow, that space in between is the chasm that you have to navigate and come up with a plan on how you're going to get from today to tomorrow and do it successfully. So you get to break your activity into several components. One is you need to look at your internal team. You need to look at your external team. You need to look at your technology and you need to look at your processes. Now you say, oh, but all this stuff is interrelated. It's like, yes, it is. But even though those things are interrelated, you have to assess them and plan them individually and define the best strategy for each one of those components before you combine them into your combined solution for your problem. So when you do it that way, you're going to end up with a more powerful and effective team solution or technology rather than trying to throw it all together and then try to balance that out uh, as you have all the pieces floating up in the bowl. Uh, it's not going to work as, as cleanly and it's not going to be as effective. Um, one last item to note on your internal team, you need business people dedicated to your project, not part-time, not two hours a week. You have to take them out of whatever role they're in and put them on the project. You also need the people, the business people that know how things were put together, not the ones that they think they know or, and, or the ones that are always talking about, but this is how things should be working. Because honestly, if that's what they're saying, they really don't know how things were put together. That's not the right person for the team. Get the guy that knows where all the skeletons are, that basically put the whole show together and knows how all these things really interact, because that's going to be the most effective business person to have on your team. Lastly, you need to look at who you're going to have as a project manager to help you with your solution building. Now, don't go get your typical administrative um, project manager that all they do in is basically collect data and provide a status report. That's not the right person. You need someone who's going to be engaged. You need somebody who's going to challenge everybody in the team, including and more especially your steering committee members. Uh, who will hold your external team and your vendors accountable for the quality of the de deliverables. And you have to give them enough power and a big enough stick to make things happen when they need to happen. Um, all of these things, all of these items are requirements for success. So if you follow them, 
you will be achieving great results. Um, you'll have a higher likelihood that your project will be on time and that you'll have a solution that's cost effective from a maintenance standpoint uh, when you get to the other side of the equation and you're, you're living with the solutions. So with that, I'll end today's podcast. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, if you have not already done so, please subscribe to the podcast so you get all the, the future episodes we have planned for 2019. If you have any suggestions or comments um, on topics or would like to comment on the podcast, please go ahead and contact us by, via email at jt at polymathway.com. So thank you very much for uh, joining us today. Um, wishing you all a good morning, good afternoon, and good night.